I take a little different approach, and I've learned to do that down through the years on the shield of faith. I do not believe for one minute that faith is a force within you. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that at all. I don't believe you develop a force within you called faith. I believe you choose to trust God. Because David said in the Old Covenant, Thou, O Lord, you're my protector. You're my provider. You're the source of all my victory. When he came against Goliath, he didn't come in the name of his great faith. And he didn't come in the name of the armies of Israel. He said, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Hallelujah. So his, his faith was in God. And so the Bible said, have faith in God. Some mistranslate that to say, have the faith of God. No, you're not God. You can't create anything. Your great faith doesn't create anything. I, I, don't, even, I don't even like the term mountain-moving faith unless they determine that that faith is in God. Amen? If your faith is in God, God can certainly move a mountain. What did he tell Zerubbabel? Amen. The mountain that stands before you shall become as a plain. All you've got to do is believe with all your heart. No. No. All you've got to do is trust me to move it. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's important to get the balance. Because if we get an imbalance, we think that we can do all of these things. And, and who's going to get the glory? Some people are giving their own faith the glory for what God did through faith. And it's touching His glory. And He doesn't like that. I'm so glad I found out it's not my great, mighty faith. When Jesus used the term great faith, He used it for humble dependency. He did not use it for the mighty, you know, some people get a big ministry and they get a big car to go with it and, and big television thing and they think i'm somebody very great and don't you wish you had faith like me and you could be you know as mighty a man of god a woman of god as i am listen to me amen that's not how this thing about faith works i was going to bring another message and i may still get on it uh, but i just want to get this clearly across after that song thou O lord art a shield for me He's my protector. I have faith in His faithfulness. Faith in your faith will break down if your faith wavers. If your faith wavers, and you have faith in your ability to believe with all of your heart, and your faith wavers, there's where do you go from there? You get discouraged. You get disheartened. You get disappointed. You get defeated. Remember what the Bible said? And the devil can use the Bible against you if it's out of context in the book of James. If any man lack wisdom, and it's in particular about trials, you need to understand the purpose and place of trials in your life. Amen. There is a purpose for trials in our life. Faith that can't be tested cannot be trusted. You know why? It'll break down. When the problems and the troubles come. So I want you to grow in the Lord today. And grow in an understanding. 
Hallelujah. That the very trial that comes to try to break you down. And Dale said it years ago. I never forgot it. See, I do listen to you folks when y'all say something too. And it sticks. I hope something I've said from the Word sticks with you. Dale said, as going through a trial herself, she said, Pastor Venable, she said the things that once put us on our back, knocked us on our back, now cause us to fall on our face. In other words, if a trial causes you to really seek God as your source for every need of your life, that trial that was meant for evil, God will use for good. Fulfilling His promise, all things. Everybody say the good, bad, and the ugly. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. And you've got to know what His purpose is, and that's getting into the message today. So we are going to get it. Amen. Hallelujah. And the next verse tells what His purpose is. And you're not going to see it working together for good concerning His purpose Those that love God. How many love God? All right. How many know that you are called not only to salvation, but to a purpose that God has for your life as a Christian? And I'm not talking about your specific anointings or ministries. I'm talking about your character. A lot of people, and I see this all the time, and I, I clench my teeth. I've been married for 55 years this coming May. 55 years. Somebody say, wow. (laughs) Say it backwards. Wow. I think I beat everybody in here. Has anybody been married to the same woman for 55 years or longer? No. See, that's why they didn't like me too much at our high school reunions. They always said, who's been married the longest? You know, and we kept winning 40 years, 50 years. They got jealous. Amen. <laughs> they come and say, you really been married that long? I say, yes, I have, but thanks for asking. Amen. Hallelujah. 55 years. Uh, that's a long time. Amen. But God has done it. God has done it. Every time we hit that wall of, of circumstance, the Lord has been our shelter in the time of that storm. And God has taken every trial uh, to bring us closer to Himself and closer to His own image. And what I told you, I clench my teeth and get nervous about. And I'm I'm glad Valentine's Day is coming up. Everybody say, "Mm mm-mm, chocolate. Chocolates are going to sell. It's Valentine's Day. I I got my daughter-in-law. A box of chocolate because my son's not here to give her one this year. First Valentine's Day of 34 years without my son. And I'm going to step up and give my daughter-in-law a valentine from her father-in-law in in the name of my son. Amen. My wife actually thought of that. and, And I like it. That's a good idea. Amen. And I saw her point at him and say, don't you forget Valentine's Day. Oh, that. I'm sorry. It's your when Valentine's Day is your you actually got married on Valentine's Day. He can't forget it. If he forgets it, he has no excuse, right? You chose a good time. And so this coming Valentine's, we can wish you happy 
anniversary next week. Amen. If we, it's it's Wednesday. It is. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary. God bless you. Happy anniversary. And let's do it his style. To you. Amen. You too. Hallelujah. We love you today. Every trial. Every test. Every circumstance. God is able. And that word able where it's used in scripture is always used as able and faithful because if he's able and not faithful to do these things it won't do us any good but if he's able and faithful amen sarah being past the age of childbearing receives strength to conceive and bring forth a son because Hebrews 11, because she considered him faithful. Amen. That had promised. Can you say amen? God is able to do exceedingly able and faithful. Say able and faithful. God is able and faithful to do exceedingly above anything that we think or ask. Can you say, man, hallelujah. God is able and God is faithful. So the Bible said God is able and faithful to make all things in the book of Romans chapter 8 work together for good. Romans 8 and verse 30. Hallelujah. The knot at the end of the rope. You will at some point in your Christian experience get to the end of your rope that means the end of your human ability to endure or escape (laughs) oh i wish i wish i didn't understand it so clearly sometimes and i could i could claim lord i just didn't know any better but now i know better when i see the word escape i think of fire escape i think of getting away from something getting out of something But in context, God doesn't take us out. He takes us through. And He uses that experience to grow us. Wow. And some of us sitting here today know people and don't... I'm going to take it easy on everyone here today. Probably someone who isn't in this room right now. That's grew old in church but never grew up in Christ. There's a lot of baby Christians. And some of them have gray hair. Not you. You're not a baby. Amen. And not Terry, for sure. And not me, if you look close. Amen. I don't use anything on my hair. I really don't. I don't. I'm a, and he don't use anything either. And I believe you. God bless you. We grow old, but we don't grow up. And the Bible said that the purpose of God, using everything that touches us for a purpose, and you can't trust Him to take you through and achieve that purpose if you don't know what the purpose is. You don't know, why me? Have you ever asked that question? I have. Why me? I parked behind the church at the Holy Church of God. I parked behind the church by the dumpster. They did not have to designate me a parking space, as I have told you. 
because people would use our dump, dumpster when they would clean fish from the Hillsborough River. They would take all the guts and heads and tails and whatevers and put it in our dumpster. In the hot summertime, the flies would come and the stink was unreal. So I parked, so parking lot used to fill up. In fact, it filled up at one time until people left. They drove around, couldn't find a parking space, and they left. Ah, what problems. Amen. And God provided another lot for us. A mighty miracle of provision that, that God provided. When the need was there, God met that need. But I parked back there. And while preaching one night, a thunderstorm came. And it was with the heavy winds that can come, those straight-line winds. And a tree, an oak tree by the dumpster had a big limb, and it got heavy with water, shaken by the wind, and it fell. I had bought the first new car, and it was, it was the bottom-of-the-line Mercury Cougar. And my wife picked out the color. I did not. Thank God it was not pink. Can you say, man, you can get by if you're a what? What kind of lady? Not the Avon. Mary Kay got a pink car, but it was, but it was periwinkle blue. And that's why they sold it to us so cheap. Nobody wanted a periwinkle blue car. Everybody wanted a white one or a red one or a black one or, you know, a tan one, but periwinkle blue. Uh, but it was perfect. It, it had never been driven till I drove it. We got a deal on it. We got it cheap and found out it was a cheap car. But anyway, amen. Sometimes you do get what you pay for. But it was our first new car ah everybody go ah there's something about the smell before you forget and leave a a chocolate milk carton under the seat and it sours there's something you know about the smell of a brand new vehicle (laughs) oh and i'm preaching away and and that thunderstorm is blowing and and uh, somebody comes to the door side door comes in pastor 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 a limb just fell on your car and it completely flattened the cab. I mean, it flattened it out. It was just pancaked. I had good insurance on it. They cut the top off of it and welded a new top on it and repainted the whole car. And you know, I had a choice to say, why me? Why not somebody? Why not one of the tares among the wheat? Why, why not get their car? Amen. Why the preacher? I'm serving you. I love you. I've been serving you a long time. Why that limb on my car? What's up with that? Amen. Where are those angels anyhow when you really need them? I remember one night the church got robbed. They called me at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, Tampa Police Department, because they jimmied the door, went in the side door. They saw it open, went in, and saw that it had been robbed. They called me, and I was wakened from a, from a dead sleep, and, and I headed for Tampa. And I was mulling this over in my mind. Why? Why did you allow? Because he has the power. <laughs> in fact, he said he would give his angels charge over us, individually and personally. Amen. And they would bear us up in their hands, personal deliverance, lest we dash our foot upon a stone. The devil tried to twist that scripture and use it to get Jesus to do something presumptuous and foolish. And he wouldn't buy it. Amen. That's why rightfully dividing the word 
is so vitally important. Because there's a whole lot of scriptures that can be taken out of context and misused and abused. And the devil is a, is a master at taking scripture and twisting it to try to get us to doubt God or disobey God. Amen? So I, I want to hear the truth, but I want to hear it rightfully divided. Every denomination feels like they've got a, a track on truth. But when you get in the Bible, you have to drop your denominational preferences. And you have to let it speak clearly. And you have to let it speak in context. Because if anything that's not in context, taken out of context, is a pretext. And so many people don't have the... They, they quote Scripture, but it's out of context. Didn't the Bible say, truth that sets you free? No. Out, that's not the context of that. You can't sit home. You can't not read your Bible. You can't expose yourself to a teaching of God's Word and have that work for you. You can't pull that out. You can't pull out Philippians 4.19 out of your promise box. Remember the promise boxes? I had one look like a loaf of bread. And every scripture in it on a card to pull out each day had a promise on it. Oh, it was fun. It was. I pulled out Philippians 4.19. And it said, but my God. Oh, Lord, here it comes. Here's another promise for me today I'm going to claim in Jesus' name. But my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory in Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Woo! I'm ready to shout victory and get my needs all met. But it's out of context. It's out of context. Amen? You know what the context is? Because you have given out of your own need to help the other churches, my God is going to supply all of your need. But if you are not giving to others, God is not going to give to you. It's spiritual law. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And if you get that one day, how many would like to have a Bible study where we learn spiritual laws? Amen. The laws that govern the harvest. Amen. You know, there's laws that govern the harvest. Somebody said it best. He said, listen, he said if the average farmer didn't know any more about the physical laws that govern harvest than the average Christian does about spiritual law, that governs harvest, he would starve to death. Number one, you, you don't eat your seed corn. It's for planting. And if you don't plant and get a crop, you're going to starve over the winter. You plant your seed corn so that you can get a crop. And there's so many people wanting to take Scripture out of context, violate spiritual law, and claim blessings by faith. If you're violating spirit, what does spiritual law say? He said, he, he said if, you, if you give liberally, you're going to be blessed liberally. If you give sparingly, you're going to be blessed sparingly. You do, in fact, reap. I do, in fact, reap what I sow. If you sow mercy, what do you reap? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall reap mercy. 
But if you sow judgment, judge not that ye... It doesn't mean judge right from wrong or judge that that person is wrong in attitude or activity or this is a sin and that. No, it's not talking about that. It's judging where we can't step into and that is judging what ought to happen to that person. God knows their heart. God loves them. If He chastens them, it will be done with love for the purpose of restoring them. And the Bible said we ought to get that attitude. If you see your brother overtaken in a fault, don't jump on him. Can you say, man, and help the devil hurt him? But restore such a one. In a spirit of meekness, you can't come in a dominating, domineering spirit because you got victory in this area and start condescendingly talking and, and accusing anyone. In a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted also. There's too many people, and I've said it before, and I've got to say it again, sit in a service thinking about whoever else in that service or that they know needs that message. And that's okay to a degree. But there are times when it's not for that person. I have, I've had people come to church sitting, excluding themselves from the growing process, trying to get a word from God to give somebody else rather than to receive the Word of God into their own heart and their own life. And I say this with a broken heart. As spiritual as they seem to be because they're always up here giving out to everybody else. And you can't keep doing that except you become proud, heady, and high-minded. And set yourself. I was at a pastor's meeting the other day, and there was not one. There, there, was, there, there was hardly any pastors at the pastor's meeting. You know what was there? Prophets. Apostles. Archbishops. Bishops. And I know there's different names for pastors, but this was all above a servant-hearted pastor. It's hard to find someone with the basin and towel that's willing to wash your feet and not sit up here above you and talk down to you. God loves you. And the way up with Him is down. Oh, I'm not just griping today. I'm telling you, I'm tired of seeing shipwrecked souls while trying to tell everybody else what they need. There are people that have a word for you. They'll get a word for you and they'll give you the word. And sometimes God gives people a word. But when people are always trying to get a word for somebody else, guess who they're neglecting? Themselves. Doesn't start with giving some. Oh, by the way, don't try to preach to somebody until you can walk it out, live it out consistently in your own life. Amen? This do as I say, not as I do doesn't work. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to see God's people grow up. I want to redefine spiritual. I had a pastor tell me the other day, he said, he said, I, I'm not as spiritual as you. I said, wait, wait, wait. And you know what the issue was? The issue was tongues. I don't speak in tongues like you do, and so I'm not as spiritual as you. Honey, Speaking in tongues is not a sign of spirituality. Amen. 
or Christian maturity. Paul went down to a church that was full of tongue-talking, prophesying people. It was Pentecostal, wall-to-wall. He went in and found a bunch of spiritual babies. And he rebuked them. He said, you know something? If you don't have enough love and compassion one to another to just want to show out and get your own blessing on Sunday morning, I'm paraphrasing. He said, your tongues, as legitimate as they are, because he never said that they were illegitimate or they shouldn't be. In fact, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. But when someone comes into the assembly that is unlearned, he doesn't know what the gospel's all about, the kingdom is all about, how to get saved. I would rather speak five words of wisdom and understanding so he can understand what I'm saying than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Though I speak in tongues more than anybody in this room, he wasn't rebuking tongues. He wasn't debunking tongues. He wasn't saying don't do it. He said grow up in God so when you do it, it's not for self-edification. It's for the edifying and the building up of the body. Amen. But where there's immaturity, he had immaturity with spiritual gifts. And he said the tongues at that point without the first developed fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit reproducing the character of Christ in us. It's His goodness, not yours. It's His peace, not yours. It's His love, agape, divine love. See, there is a love, and it's that kind of divine love that covers a multitude of sins. We can't help but see each. If you live close long enough, you're going to see each other's faults. Pamela thought she had married the perfect man. I mean, you know, did you think you married the perfect man when you got married? You did? He said, you're wrong about that. I'm not perfect. I love the Lord. With all my heart, I'm His child, but I'm not perfect. I don't want to bust your bubble today, but you're not perfect either. That's why the Bible said, let's go on to perfection. And, and we're not perfect as a body. I love the sign that says, be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. I've been saved all of these years. Been preaching the gospel for 44 years. And God isn't finished with me yet. I'm right there where Paul was with all of his spiritual qualifications. And he said, not that I have apprehended, not that I have attained, but that I might grasp what Christ grasped me to grasp. Forgetting those things that are behind and straining forward, reaching forth to those things that are before He's going to do His part. He's going to do what? What a lot of Christians quit doing a long time ago. I'm going to press forward. Everybody say strain forward. For the, for the mark of the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? I haven't stopped seeking to be more like the Lord wants me to be. 
Now here's that scripture in context. Listen to it. Romans 8.30, not at the end of the rope, grab hold and tie knot in it and hold on. Hold on to the sovereignty of God. Hold on to the love of God, the faithfulness of God. When you don't know what to do, God is still in charge. And God is still in control. Thank God for it. Amen. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Are you ready for the purpose? Verse 29 says, For whom He did foreknow. He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And Jesus learned obedience through the things that He suffered. When Christians see that word suffer, uh uh-uh, 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 I'm not going to that church, I'm going to this church. And they change churches when God wants to change them. And they're looking for a church that tells them you can grow to a place of faith that you won't suffer anything. You know, the Bible said everybody that lives godly is going to suffer persecution. You can't live for God without somebody coming against you. Amen. He said, how are they going to do it? They'll cast your name out as evil. What did Jesus suffer from those people? He does miracles by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Ultimately, they put him on a cross. We don't want any suffering. We don't want to go through and let him develop our character. We want to manipulate life with our faith to where we have a smooth road everywhere we go. And that's not real life, that's not real faith. You're not going to learn obedience by just listening to some great preacher give you the Scripture. You're going to go through things in your personal life. And you're going to make the choice to yield yourself to God and follow God. I was going to do some counseling the other day for someone who asked me. I was going to do it by phone because they were not part of this congregation. And I wrote down an outline of what I was going to ask. Because if I'm going to give biblical counsel and spiritual counsel, I want to know some things. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you say you are in devotion to Jesus Christ? These are supposed to be Christians. And I find out a lot of supposed to be Christians when you really nail it down. On a scale, I want to know. Before, why give you any Scripture? If you're not devoted to Jesus, you're not going to listen to what the Scripture says. So what is the point of wasting God's time, my time, and your time? Go get a secular counselor. Go get a psychiatrist, psychologist, or a sociologist. But don't come to me and don't open the book. Is that okay with you? Let's don't give Scripture to people who don't care what the Bible says. And have little or no devotion to follow Jesus. That's it. We're told don't do that. If you find out they're not going to care, they don't need counseling. They need to get, well, the first counsel, get saved. Get right with God. Then we can talk about this issue. But until you truly get saved. Oh, I've been saved for years. Yeah, okay. Okay. How devoted are you to the Savior? 
Because it starts with self-denial. If you're going to follow Jesus, it doesn't start with self-exaltation or self-gratification. It starts with self-denial. Self-denial in a generation that is hedonistic, that is narcissistic. And we're going to start with telling the believer, the first thing you have to do in order to follow Christ is deny yourself. Because if you don't, you're not going to do the second imperative. You're never going to take up your cross. You're never going to suffer any, any loss or suffer any persecution or suffer any inconvenience in order to follow Jesus. We want it convenient. The cross wasn't convenient. We've got a new cross, one that's easy to bear, that doesn't require the death of the person that takes it up. My Bible requires a death in order for there to be a resurrection. And the reason there's no resurrection power in the church, Christians are not willing to die to self so that the Holy Ghost can truly take control. Amen. So let's put it in context. God is able to make all things work together for good to them that love Him. And are the called according to his purpose. Verse 28 of Romans of Romans 8, 28, not at the end of the rope. Say not at the end of the rope. Let me read verse 28 with verse 29 and watch how it changes things. You have to cooperate with God to let him take you through rather than take you from. And if you understand the purpose, you can see how going through is going to achieve that purpose. He's going to subdue everything to His own will and purpose. He's able and faithful to subdue all things to His own will and purpose. That's why He's able to make, subdue all things to His purpose, work together for good to them that love the Lord and are what? The called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow. That's everybody that's a Christian today. He did predestinate you and me to be conformed to the image of His Son. He wants you to be like Jesus. So what happens? Things begin to come to take away your trust in self and your trust in your own flesh. And things begin to come. By the way, trials will make you bitter or they'll make you better. If you cooperate with God, keep your trust in Him. When you come through, you're going to come through better and not bitter. Sometimes I get angry. I know that shocks you that it's still in there. That's why I have to crucify my flesh. Don't think that you have converted your flesh. It can't be converted. Flesh is flaky. And the flesh is the flesh. And it's not your physical body. It's part of that nature that we inherited from the fall. Unforgiveness is a work of the flesh. And in order to obey God, you got to deny yourself that justifiable privilege of holding that grudge. You've got to say, I can't do this. Scripture says, if God for Jesus' sake, for Jesus' sake, yeah, you didn't earn it, 
You didn't merit it. The only reason you have any hope of heaven is because Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood for you. You have no right. I have no right to not forgive anybody else. Freely you have received. You can't just get it and not give it. It's the spiritual law of sowing and reaping once again. Freely you receive, freely give. Seoul, Korea, a man came to the pastor of the largest church at that time in the world, People's Church in Seoul, South Korea. Paul Yonggi Cho. I heard him speak in, in Winter Haven years and years ago. He said, a, a heart surgeon, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, a cancer specialist in the largest hospital in Seoul contacted cancer. They tried every kind of therapy. It was a very aggressive kind of cancer. It got worse and worse and worse. And people were being healed under the anointing of that ministry in those services. Healings, miracles were occurring. And you would think that he would just immediately lay hands on someone that had a need. You know, we want to circumvent spiritual law and just have the anointing take care of everything. But if spiritual law is in violating... In violation, neither our faith or anyone else's can change things unless we're willing to let God change us. He said, I went to pray for him and we just had miracle after miracle and that's why he came. He had heard there is a church in this city where God is healing people with cancer. Even terminal diseases are being healed. And he got desperate because... He knew all the medical procedures. He had best friends that were experts in his field. But he was dying. And he came for prayer. And Brother Cho said, when I went to lay hands on him, the Lord spoke to me and said, tell him to go home and forgive every person in his life that he has not forgiven. What did Jesus say about forgiveness? And I've been harping on this because God jumped on me about it. <laughs> Amen. And, and I, I, want, I, I want, listen, I don't want, how many don't want a barrier to blessing? How many need answered prayer? How many need mercy from the Lord? How many need forgiveness from God? You can't get it without giving it. Amen. That's spiritual law. Sometimes we think, that, that we don't have enough faith or whoever's praying for us don't have enough. It's not just about faith. You can't twist God's arm with faith. Amen. Faith doesn't make Him do something for you. He's not obligated. And when spiritual law is in violation, all the faith in the world can't get a prayer answered if we're violating spiritual law. Jesus said, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Everybody say the Lord's Prayer, the pattern prayer. The pattern for us. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses contingent on what? As we what? As we see, you can't get it if you're not willing to give it. 
And you can get in healing lines, blessing lines, go to faith seminars, go to spiritual warfare. You can bind the devil, use your spiritual authority, use your faith. But if you're in violation of spiritual law, and you know the devil knows spiritual law. And he knows if God commands the blessing, there's nothing him and the minions of hell can do to stop it. So he works on you and me to get us to violate spiritual law. Because he knows it won't be God being unfaithful. And it won't be him being too strong and hindering. It'll be our own self. I can't help but think of the scripture as we work to a close here today. We, get, we need to get deep down into this thing. This thing has slipped by. We've let it slip by. Christians go to church, sit on the pew or sit in the chairs, and they listen to sermons and they try to take hold of promises and provisions without knowing the purposes of God and being absolutely blind to spiritual law. Forgive us our debts as we forgive them that trespass against us. Forgive our debtors. For if you do not forgive men, the Father won't forgive you. That means you've got to live 100% in attitude and in action. Sinless perfection. Or else you're going to need forgiveness. And the Bible says you can't be sinlessly perfect. In 1 John it says if we say we have no sin, we lie. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying to God. We're lying to everybody else. And we're not people of truth. We're disingenuous. We're, we're phony. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful. Oh, and I love this part. He's just. He's not sweeping it under the rug. He's forgiven it on the basis of the shed blood of His Son and our Savior. He's justified in forgiving us because we have a right for that forgiveness if we are forgiving others. Come boldly. You can come boldly. Praise God. I love to get into deep repentance and deep forgiveness. So I can come how? Let us therefore come boldly. Everybody say boldly. How many know what boldly's are? Not tentative. I don't know. Brother Venable, I don't know why God won't hear me. I don't. Well, get in the Word. God will probably show you why. Amen. Grow up. Man up. Woman up. Put on your big boy drawers. Can you say, man, it's time to grow up? The devil will have you complaining instead of complying. He'll have you accusing God of unfaithfulness or, or, or giving credit to the devil for power and authority he shouldn't have and doesn't have over you. Can you say amen? If I'm defeated, I'll never blame the devil. I will own my sin. I will fess up and face up. I'm not going to say the devil can come in and do whatever. Listen, if the good man of the house had knew what hour the thief would come, he would not allow his house, amen, to be plundered. He would not allow the thief to take anything from him. I guarantee you, amen, if a thief uh, sends a message to my neighborhood that, that, that these four houses are going to be hit Friday night, 
I have a, I have a crowbar. I'm coming through that door. I'm going to bust that lock and I'm coming in and I'm going to take everything you got. And I'll be there at 7 p.m. Friday night. I know what hour he's coming. I'm going to get my easy chair. Oh, Brother Venerable, are you going to call the popo? No, 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 no. This is my house. I don't need the popo at my house yet. Oh, listen. I don't have a double barrel shotgun. I don't have a single barrel shotgun. That's right. It's a thirty-eight. <laughs> and I've been to the range. And I am armed. Why are you armed? Because I know the thief is coming. If you know the thief is coming, arm yourself. And spiritually put on the whole armor of God. Because if he knew what hour the thief would come, he would not suffer his house to be plundered. He would not allow the devil to defraud him and defeat him if he knew. And the reason for defeat in the Christian life is because we misunderstand and misappropriate the Word of God. We try to use faith outside of spiritual law. And we violate the law of sowing and reaping. We sow bad seed and go to church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. And it don't work that way because God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. By the way, you don't just reap what you sow. It multiplies back to you. That's why when you're sowing grace and mercy to others, what did Paul write to the church? Grace and mercy be multiplied to you. I like that. I don't like the other multiplying, but I like that. Grace and mercy be what? Multiplied to you. You sow the wind. Do you reap the wind? Or is it multiplied? You sow the wind. What do you reap? You reap. You sow the wind. A breeze. And you reap a tornado. That's spiritual law. It's the law of the harvest in agriculture. You sow a kernel of corn. Does it grow? A stalk with one kernel? Or a stalk with ears of corn. It's multiplied. Well, for heaven's sakes, if it's going to be multiplied, let's sow the right seed. Let's don't keep being disobedient. Let's come to a place in our life that we're going to not just listen to the Word. We're going to give heed. For the Scripture said we should give the more earnest heed. Take it seriously. Apply it to your life. Can you say, man, hallelujah, to the things that we have heard. Lest at any time we let them slip. And what the word slip means in the Greek is like a ship that is supposed to come into the port and either load on cargo or offload cargo. It has been purposed. It has been programmed to go to that port and do that. 
But instead of pulling into the port, it just continues right on aimlessly out in the ocean. And there's too many Christians that God wants to load up with blessings. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I don't know about this. I don't know if you can stand it. You've been sitting in church in years. Amen. Come on. What is changing? It's time something changed. Can you say amen? You've been exposed to something mighty. The mighty Word of the eternal God. Amen. Something needs to change. Woo! Deuteronomy 28. I love it. I love it. I want more of it. If you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, to amen and clap your hands, no, to observe and to do what I command you this day. Woo! These blessings shall come on you, and they shall overtake you. And it don't matter where you are, they will find you. You will be blessed in the city, and you will be blessed out in the field. You will be blessed when you go in, and you'll be blessed when you go out. You'll be blessed when you sit down, and you'll be blessed when you rise up. Psalm 1. Say it with me, Psalm 1. Oh, it's almost time to stop, and I'm just getting started. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Blessed. In the Hebrew, it means happy. To be envied. When you get blessed, you're going to finally be happy. (laughs) Because happiness is not based on happenings. Happiness is based on knowing God is going to help you no matter what happens. Happy is the man that hath the Lord God of Jacob for his help. Can you say amen? And if you know that he's going to help you through everything, you can be happy no matter what happens. Happy is the man that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly. I've had people tell me when I got upset when I was bivocational, you're only human. I said, you're right, I am human. But I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And I'm sorry I got upset. I don't like getting upset. I I don't like, I want to be more like the one that I'm predestined by God to become more like. I'm not there yet. Paul said, I'm not there either. It's a lifelong process. He said, I haven't attained. I haven't grasped it. That's why I'm still pressing for it. And what needs to happen in every Christian, in every church, is that we start pressing for the mark. And the mark is the character and nature of Christ Himself for the prize of the high calling. Can you the high calling. Hallelujah, the high calling. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might protect. Oh, great and precious exceeding wealth, perfect health. There are promises addressing that, but it's not top shelf. It's not what God has put as the premium. Whereby are given, listen, in context, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. And then it's defined 
in the rest of the verse. That by these you might be partakers of the divine. Didn't he, didn't he predestine us to be conformed to the image of His Son? And didn't Jesus say, when you've seen Me, you've seen the Father? Can you say, man? Hallelujah! We're not there yet. And it's okay to not be there if we're straining forward to get there. What is not okay if we're not there and we don't care? I got all the God I want except when I have a need. I got all the Christ I want. I don't want to grow. I just want to go. Get my Sunday morning fix and go home and live in the dismal, defeated, defrauded life. Because I'm violating spiritual law and I don't want to be more like Jesus. If I was more like Jesus, I'd have to forgive that scoundrel. <clears throat> Amen? You know, it's not a bad thing, the bracelet says WWJD. What would Jesus do? We all know what He would do because we know what He did. He's hanging on the cross praying for forgiveness. What? 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 He's in agony. And He says to us, and He demonstrated it on the cross, but He says to us, forgive them. Forgive your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to them that persecute you. Oh, my Lord. Do good. Do good. Do good. Terry, you said something the other day that made me know that you want to fulfill His purpose. You're not there yet, but you, want to str- you have to strain forward. You have to go against the grain. You can't let your flesh keep ruling you in the name of your religiosity and justify things that are wrong. How many want that blessing? How many need that mercy? How many would like to come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain grace initially? No, mercy and grace to help in the time of any need at all. God said, I stand ready to help you, deliver you, provide for you, heal you, set you free. But you've got to come clean before my throne. You can't just come demanding in some kind of bold faith in your faith. You've got to come with a heart attitude that is right because man looks at that projection of spirituality, but I'm looking at your heart. And the heart of man, by the way, is desperately wicked and deceitful above everything. Who can know it? You can't know your own heart. David thought he knew himself after he killed that giant. And he's saying, and he's listening to the songs that made Saul so jealous he wanted to kill him. Saul has slain his thousands and and David his ten thousands. And Saul got so jealous and angry with David's relationship with God, he picked up a javelin and hurled it to kill David and barely missed him. Then he put a bounty on his head and tried to hunt him down like a dog and kill him. And he went into the cave of Adullam, hiding from Saul. <laughs> he, went, he went in the cave to hide. Saul went in the cave to look. 
And while he was in one of those caves, David walked over and Saul was asleep and his guards were out front and David was in there and David could have, you know what the flesh tells you to do? Yeah, this is God's will. God delivered him into your hand. You can kill him right now and take the kingdom for yourself. And nobody would question you for doing that. Amen. Because you're the champion in everybody's eyes. And he went over and he said, you know, I can't kill him. It's not for me to take that into my hands. Amen. That's God's business. That's above my pay grade. It ought to be above our pay grade too. Amen. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. It's not up to you and it's not up to me. Oh, but if, if I... Oh, What a song. Have to crucify the flesh to walk it out. If I hold my peace. And let the Lord fight my battle. Victory. Victory shall be mine. Can you say man? (laughs) So he cut off a piece of his garment. He cut a chunk out of the king's robe. (laughs) King woke up and looked. What? (laughs) Somebody done been. He might have cut it up near the collar. I got a feeling it wasn't down at the hem. I got a feeling he cut a piece off the collar and let him know I could have cut your throat and you would never woke up. I was here last night. I got a feeling. And you know what David did instead of saying, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what he did? He said, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. It's not for me to do. Not even to humiliate him. Not only I'm not supposed to hurt him, harm him, or murder him, I'm not even supposed to humiliate him. And I humiliated him and I'm sorry. He showed mercy. But a day came when David needed mercy. And he cried out to God. And God heard him and granted that mercy. And because of the mercy of God that he had shown, the law of sowing and reaping, he reaped mercy from the Lord. And he, he that did such evil and wickedness died with a testimony. These are the last words of King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. A man after God's own heart he was. I think Yoda said that. I'm not a, a man after God's own heart. He was. Amen. Just you don't know about Yoda. Only this man back here. What made him a man after God's own heart? His perfections? No. He really messed up. But when he did, he owned his sin. And when he had an opportunity to show mercy to an enemy, he showed that mercy. And he repented of his sin. Hallelujah. And God restored him and his kingdom. And it was an honor to Jesus to be called the son of David. Because anyone in that lineage had an honorable lineage. And only mercy made David great. He said, thy loving kindness is better than life itself. That's why the mercy flows to you and me today. Have you learned anything about spiritual law? Do you want to know more? Would you like to be a graduate of spiritual law school? So when the devil tries to get you to violate it, you already know. Can I tell you how Paul used this real quick? Give, Give me five more minutes. Would you give me seven? Lord's perfect number. All right. The apostle said, we would have come to you sooner, but Satan hath hindered us. And he had heard of 
something that had happened terribly wrong in that church, but forgiveness had flowed for that incident. And he said, before we even get there and know what it was, if you have forgiven, we forgive also. Listen, spiritual law here. He knows it. He knows what the devil will try to suck you into. He said, Whoever you forgive, we forgive also, lest Satan should gain an advantage over us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. He wants us to be provoked into unforgiveness. So we're disqualified for the mercy and forgiveness that we all need from time to time from God. Being ignorant of his devices means that we fall prey to what he wants to accomplish. And that's get us in violation of spiritual law. In order to grow up in God, you've got to own sin. And you've got to get rid of it like God says to deal with it. Confess it to him. For if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive. And if we're forgiving others... It's contingent on that. If that spiritual law is in operation. Can I get through with Psalm 1? i got three more minutes, I think, out of the seven. Are you keeping time? Timekeeper says, uh, do you have a watch? Do you have a watch? Timekeeper lost his watch. Listen, Psalm 1. Will you go with me to Psalm 1? Blessed is the man who stands not in the counsel of the ungodly. Come on, honey. I don't know what you allow into your life. I don't know if it's, I don't know. That's, 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 you're, you're at home by yourself, but God's there with you. Amen. And, and if I, if I acknowledge God's presence with me, it helps me to determine what I allow and what I disallow. I mean, if Jesus is in my home sitting on the couch, it may have an effect on what programs I watch. You reckon? What was the old song? If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, would things be different around your house? Well, He didn't come to spend a day or two. He came to live in you and me. Listen, we all have areas to improve on. Everybody say, oh yeah. Say, I won't have to pursue that any further if you get it. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man. And watch the progression. Because if he stands in the counsel of the ungodly, he's going to get comfortable with that counsel instead of God's. Blessed is the man that stands in the counsel of the ungodly, that doesn't stand in the counsel of the ungodly. Now he's standing, but watch the progression. Now he's getting comfortable with it. Now he's sitting in the seat of the scornful. What happened? When Jesus said, the maid only sleepeth, they laughed him to scorn. They said, what a crazy thing. What a crazy book you Christians carry. What That faith in God. How crazy can you? Now, he's comfortable with all of that. He's sitting. Blessed is the man that standeth not in the counsel of the ungodly. He sits in the seat of the scornful. Watch this. And now, he is swayed from following Jesus to following the culture, to following 
the flesh to following uh, people uh, for their approval and applause rather than Christ for His glory and His honor. Stand, Blessed man stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, sits in the seat of the scornful. No, here he goes. Well, walks in the way of sinners. Standeth in the way of sinners. But his delight, everybody say the, the law of God. His delight, his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, his word, his counsel, he doth meditate day and night. Woo! He shall be like a tree planted by a river of living water. And whatever he puts his hand to, because these blessings will come upon him, whatever he puts his hand to, whatever he puts his hand to in the will and purpose of God, it will prosper. Woo! Happy to be envied is the man that's not standing there or sitting there or walking here. But he's following Jesus. Hallelujah. In the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, you shine as lights in the world. And men will see your good works. And it's all about following Jesus. It's not about your benevolence or your generosity. Amen. It's about your commitment to follow Christ. They will see you following Him, fleshing it out. Hallelujah. Earning the title Christian by becoming more like Jesus Christ. For who He foreknew, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. All things work together for good when you're cooperating with God for His holy purpose. Amen. But if you want to stay your... How can I put this delicately? If you want to stay your old sorry self, and your old self is sorry, come on. You're being disrespectful. No, you're supposed to crucify the flesh. Not pet it. Not exalt it. Not go to church and have someone soothe you. I love what the preacher of old said under the anointing. He said, many people tell me on Sunday morning that I'm rubbing the cat the wrong way. He said, all I can say to those people is, you need to turn the cat around. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's don't hold back the truth on Sunday morning. Let's turn the cat around. Let's begin to comply with God's Word instead of complain about our condition. Woo! Who said that? Who said that? I'd like to write that down. I said that. Glory be to God. I've heard every complaint in the book. Every complaint. I have complained. How about you? Have you ever complained? The Bible said neither murmur nor complain like some of them in the wilderness did. That's when the serpents came. It's like laying a welcome mat out for the devil. Can you say, man, but when we comply with God's Word, we get spiritually bold. We're emboldened. When I got up this morning, I didn't have a grudge against nobody. I don't know what's going to happen today to try to create one, but it hadn't happened yet. Thank God I'm clean so far. I haven't attained that, that perfect character of Christ, so I'm still straining forward. I still pull my car over and listen to good preaching and teaching 
that's addressing that challenge. I want that challenge because I want that change. Can you say, man? Wow. And then everything works together for good because I'm cooperating with what God wants to accomplish. Hallelujah. And I say, Lord, it sure wasn't fun. But it was good for me. Oh, the escape clause. Everybody say the escape clause and I'll quit. Think it not strange then. The fiery trial that he's permitting, that he allows. Think it not strange. The fiery trial that has come to you is some strange thing has happened to you. But God is faithful who will, will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you, He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows where you are spiritually. Don't compete. Don't compare one way or the other with anybody else. This is between you and God and His purpose for your life. He will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able to bear. And when He says what you're able to bear, He's talking about with the grace and mercy and strength that He grants you. He's not talking about the you that's sitting here without that. Because I can't take much. (laughs) I want out. I don't want to go through. Hey, come on, church. I see the word escape in in Scripture. There's a side door and I'm running out. Remember the snake song about snake handlers out in Kentucky? Wendy Bagwell? They're up singing... And they bring the snakes out. And they, ha- they can't get past the snakes to get the door. And they're looking for a side door that they can run out of the church. And he turns and says to one of the people with him, Is there a side door to this church? And they, they said, No, there isn't. He said, Reckon where they want one. <laughs> In other words, I'm getting out. I'm tearing through. I'm getting out of here. I'm escaping. Think it not strange the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear, who will with the temptation, with not taking it from you, but taking you through and giving you victory, who will with the temptation, with it, is it gone or is it still there? Whoa, my Lord, have mercy. I know it's hitting hard this morning. I don't want it still here. Come on, this is bothering me. Paul prayed three times. And God said, no, no, no. What is it about no? Don't you understand? And when he got it, what did he get? What did he get? Is my mic above my head? What did he get? He got an understanding of what God was keeping him from and what God was developing in his life. And he said, lest I be lifted up above measure, become unlike Christ in my humility. Though he was equal with God, made of himself no reputation, but humbled himself, took on himself the form of a servant. There's a lot of people with revelations. The last thing they want to be is servant-hearted to anyone. They want to be exalted and enthroned. And we see power and we see anointing 
but we don't see Jesus. We just don't see Jesus. And we're predestined to be more like Him. And all the ministries in the Bible are moving us toward that eternal purpose of God. Hallelujah. And unless you're willing to cooperate with the purpose, you're not going to be able to endure the trials properly. Think it not strange. God will make a way of escape that you might be able, here it is, to bear it. To bear up under it, keep the victory. Don't let the devil steal your song. Don't let him take your joy. Because you know that this trial is bringing you closer to God and closer to His eternal purpose in your life. And that is to be more like Jesus. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And there is sufficient grace. Hallelujah. You'll never know the sufficiency of grace till you come to the end of your own resources. But if you ever discover it, you'll never be afraid again of anything that touches your life because God is with you and God is for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And He hasn't abandoned you. And He hasn't left you. He will never leave you. And He will never forsake you. He'll go with you all the way, even unto the end of the age. How many believe that truth about God today? Handa barosha la mara, kela basatai.